as we come to the Lord's table this morning, we're going to be, as I said, receiving the bread and the cup. And these are our powerful symbols, the bread, the body of Jesus given for us, and the cup, the, the new covenant, new agreement confirmed by the blood of Jesus. And I don't know if you, you've probably come to this, and if you've been a part of the church for a long time, you, you ex, you've experienced this before, or you know a little bit about this. If you're relatively new to church or to faith, um, sometimes this can be sort of confusing, or let me be honest, it can be a little weird when we talk about blood, right? We talk about blood, and, and it's something that is so important to our faith throughout the Bible. We, we see through the beginning of, of the, the experience of God re- relating to people, and, and there's the sacrificial system for the Old Testament, and the, the blood of sheep and, and goats, and, and let me, let's be honest, it's, it's pretty messy in the Old Testament. There's a lot of talk about blood. And so I thought there'd be some interesting things if you talk about blood. Um, you know the average human male has 4.5 or 5 liters of blood. That's about like a, a jug of milk. <laughs> That's about what you, what you got. Um, a newborn baby has about a cup of blood in their body. If you're talking about blood, you've got to talk about mosquitoes. You know that mosquitoes, they actually prefer type O blood. Any of you have type O blood? They love you. My, my wife, I'm sure, uh, has that. And uh, I don't know who figured this out, but someone apparently did or did, is good at math, but they decided <laughs> that it would take 1.2 million mosquitoes to suck out all of your blood. I don't know. Someone was bored one day and said, let's figure that out. <clears throat> Some of you, if you were camping in this last, uh, maybe in the interior or something, you're, you thought for sure it was probably going to be less than 1.2 million. But, uh, all right. Interestingly enough, the only part of your body without a blood supply is the cornea in the eye. One pint of blood can save three lives. We've heard the advertisement for Canadian Blood Services, and it's such a great, catchy phrase, but it's, you know, blood. It's in you to give. I want to ask you a question, and I don't want you to be in any way ashamed, but how many of you are are regular blood donors? I know it's plasma, I think, now. is uh, How many of you are regular? Now, um, I would put myself... Previously, I'd been put myself in this category of someone that, that just, I just probably hadn't made the time to go and, and donate blood or plasma. Uh, and so I did a little while ago, and for the first time, and, and I think that everyone might have reasons for maybe not being a, a blood donor, whatever you think, um, you know, they're, they're taking from you, or if you're afraid of needles or, or things like that, or just, just the sight of, of blood. It kind of, some of you right now are ready for the door, because you're just like, oh, we're talking about blood. Um, but it's a, it's a real thing. But I would say this, if you have a one little takeaway, even from the sermon, hopefully it's more than this, but be a blood donor. Like, you know, you could save someone's life, uh, you know, Part of me thinking as I, I have to do a lot of thinking while I'm on the motorcycle, and there's, I'm not a guy who listens to music or podcasts. I just like the sound of nothing. 
and the motorcycle. But I, I think about, you know, man, if I, if I get in an accident, I'm probably going to need blood. And, and then you start thinking, okay, I hope someone donates. And then you start thinking, well, why don't I? So anyways, that's my little pitch there. Uh, be a, a blood donor. Book an appointment uh, this week. All right. Amen. We're done. No. All right. <laughs> okay, so now if you're, if you're new, again, as I said, to faith or church or, you know, even like, what are we talking about here? This is something that we, we typically do every month. And so when we speak of Jesus' body and blood, let's be honest, we can't, we can't really make it more clean. Uh, you know, we, we could try. If you've seen any movies of Jesus from, from older days, you know, it was pretty clean, right? There was uh, Jesus with just, you know, the little drops of blood on his wrists and side. Uh, kind of clean it up. But then along comes Mel Gibson. And decides he makes the Passion of the Christ. And uh, how many of you have seen that? Passion of the Christ? Yeah, a lot. And so you know, I mean, it's brutal. There is a, there is a, lot, of, a lot of blood. And some, you know, scholars even that said, like, that was even maybe even tame. Considering what a crucifixion was really like. There was blood. And so we recognize in a church, you know, as we are, we have a younger audience at times, always among us. Um, but, but we can't, honestly, we can't sterilize the sacrifice of Jesus. In the same way that we can't candy coat sin and make it just like, oh, that's just mistakes. This is the culture that we are, are in, even as a, a, Christ, a church culture in many ways, is that we're just, we're not sinners. We're just, we're mistakers. In many cases, we say, well, we're, we're victims. But the Bible is clear that sin has a cost. And we either pay it or, or we experience and we receive what Jesus did. And that was costly. And it was messy. But talk of blood can be uncomfortable, if not weird, uh, coming into to this today. And, and many, but you know, many of the songs of our faith speak of blood and we we sing them right and it's just something we've grown up in if you've been grown up in the church and in these hymns and so we sing them often without really thinking about it and it has blood in in the song it's the blood of jesus and so i'm going to get you to to do this okay finish the line if you want to sing it you can't i'm not going to all right would you be free from your burden of sin there's power in the blood. What can wash away my sin? He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is doomed. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Down at the cross where my Savior died, where for cleansing from sin I cried, there to my heart was the blood applied. It reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. I got you on that one a little bit. Hey, it was there, but couldn't quite get it. 
Um, one of the more recent ones that we've done uh, here is thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, that has washed me, you have washed me white. And there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood, in the precious blood of the Lamb. Now, if all this talk of blood is, is kind of creeping you out, uh, and you're saying, okay, where's, where's the door? Uh, just wait. Um, it's getting worse. <laughs> See, what if you read the words, as we're going to, in John chapter 6? So I invite you to turn there, <clears throat> if you have your, your Bible. And just so you know where we're at, today is kind of like we call it sort of a one-off, uh, the next couple Sundays, and then we're starting in our, our series in Galatians in, uh, October, on October 1st. All right, but John chapter 6 today, and we're going to be looking at verse 41 to 58. And this is where it gets crazy. That Jesus says, in order to have eternal life, we need to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Stay with us. John 6, 41 to 58. <clears throat> At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves. Jesus answered, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. <clears throat> Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Hmm. All right. Whew. A little bit of context, I think, is important here. Uh, so if you read John 5 and John 6, you see what's happening here is that Jesus has begun, you know, in his ministry, he has begun to, to teach people, he's begun to heal people, do miraculous things, and so there's a crowd that's, that's started to form. They're, they're curious, they're wondering, who is this? And so as they form this crowd, 
uh, something, you know, happens is, is a natural result of, of just, you know, being in a place a long time where there's no food, you get hungry. And so they're hungry. Thousands of people, and as perhaps you know the story, but that Jesus, he feeds these 5,000 plus people from five loaves and two fishes and with much left over. Uh, incredible miracle. And obviously this is something, if you were there in that crowd and you were like getting this, ba- you know, passing pass the basket and you're, you're eating and you're just like, what's going on? Like, I, where is this, all this food coming from? You'd be amazed and you would be centered, your thoughts fixed on Jesus. And as a, as a Jew who is wondering, this was something that was you know, the, the prophecy of someone who would be, you know, like Moses, a prophet who would come, this Messiah, and you're wondering, is this the one? Is Jesus the one? And so they were looking for physical provision. And, you know, aren't we all? We got home last night, <laughs> got in. We are like, what's in the fridge? Nothing that we'd want to eat. Um, you know, it's, it's not that bad. But it's just like, we're, you know, we're looking for, we have a hunger. And we're looking for it to be filled. And this is what this group of people, they, they were following Jesus, curious, but they were looking for something that was physical. Here would be someone that they thought could be a king that would provide for their physical needs. Can you imagine? I mean, that would be an incredible king. Like, you wouldn't have to, have to work, have to do anything. It just, like, he just keeps feeding you. That'd be great. That was what their hopes were built on. So they start asking him questions, and I won't go into all the whole story of chapter 6, you can read it, it's fascinating, but he gets to this point where he, he talks about the work of God is to believe, and then he talks about how you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Goes on, ultimately, many of those who are following are like, checking out, <laughs> okay, I, I'm out, I'm, I'm done that. And then up to the end, verse 68, where... His own disciples, Jesus asked them, his 12, how about you guys? What are you going to do? Are you also going to leave? And the words of Peter that says, where where else would we go? You and you alone have the words of eternal life. You're the holy one of God. And so that's the, the picture and the context of this. And so the whole idea, the context of this is in terms of physical food was, was what they were talking about. And so this is what Jesus is referring to, alluding to. Jesus, his words here are shocking, of course. They shock us today, and it was meant to shock them. And probably even more than us today. We might have issues with blood, and thinking about blood, and that's kind of gross. But the Jews were told very clearly, had very clear instructions in the law, not to partake of anything, any meat that still had lifeblood in it. And so here's Jesus saying, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they're like, whoa. It was meant to shock them. Let's be clear that Jesus is speaking figuratively. How do we know this? We know, obviously, he doesn't want us to be cannibals, or for them and then to be cannibals. He says clearly in verse 63 that the Spirit is what gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. And so he says, the words, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit 
and life. So this is, he's using this as a figurative means, a metaphor, not his actual flesh and blood. And also to be clear, he's not referring to what we're about to do here in terms of communion. He hadn't instituted the Lord's Supper yet, probably not for a couple years into his ministry up until the time of his death. So it's not specifically talking about what we're about to do in terms of eating this bread and drinking this cup in terms of what we are doing uh, before Jesus. Okay, so it's not, we're not actually consuming his flesh or blood for our salvation. This isn't the act that he is describing. Although we look back and we refer to it and we see how his body and his blood are in this situation. But the act that Jesus is referring to is faith. The act is believing. That's what he's talking about. This is what he says is the work of God. They asked him, what, what must we do? He said, the work of God is to believe. To believe that unlike the manna that God sent the Israelites in the desert, which fed them for a time, but then they got hungry again, and they ultimately died. The life that Jesus offers is, is total hunger fulfillment, but not physical hunger. It's spiritual. It's soul hunger. It's the void that we know is within us every time we try to fill it with something else of this world. And we come up empty every single time. He alone is what will satisfy. And we don't know that until we believe. We put our full confidence in Jesus. And so they had asked him, what, what, what must we do? And he said, to believe. When you think about believing, it's like, well, that sounds kind of easy. It's not our natural thing as, as humans. We, we seek to do. We seek to accomplish. We want to be effective in something. We, we want to rise above it. And he says, no, you just put your trust in me. You believe. You'd think that would be the easy part. And yet that was the most difficult part for this group of people, the Jews or this crowd to do to put their trust in Jesus. How could this how could this be? How could you be the one that is sent from God? That was really their issue, even more than just thinking about eating flesh and drinking blood. How could Jesus, how could you be the one? I mentioned Galatians is where we're going to get to in October. And the book of Galatians you know, we have this group of people that the Apostle Paul had, had taught about Jesus, shared the gospel that he had had revealed to him, and they received it with joy, and they heard it, and it was like, it was you receive it by faith through the grace of God. And yet, these others that came alongside and were trying to detract them and, you know, brought confusion because they said, it can't just be faith. It's got to be more than that. You must have to do something. And so they were convincing the, the, Galatian, the church in Galatia to, to come back to the law. You can, you can have Jesus, but you also need to obey the law. And Paul, the Apostle Paul was saying, that's not the gospel. Why is faith so hard for us? Why is it so hard for you? Why is it so hard for me? 
That that's the requirement of God is for us to put our trust in him and to believe. Nothing else. Nothing more. You can't add anything to the gospel. You can't add anything to grace. It's something that's a gift of God. So the point of this, what Jesus is saying is that he is essential to life. Without Jesus Christ, you're simply existing. You're filling up time and space, but you're not really living. Because life is found in him alone. Talk about Galatians coming forward. Like to talk about 1 John going back where we just were. Where John says, God has given us eternal life. And this life is where? It's found where? In the Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. There's always human resistance to Jesus. And that's why it is, it's a spiritual decision. It's a spiritual act. It's easy to resist the idea of, of eating someone's flesh or drinking someone's blood. Resist that. But what about resisting the fact that Jesus actually laid down his life for you? That he paid the penalty for your sins. What's keeping you from receiving that? So the crowd here, they start murmuring, right? They say, how can he say he's from heaven? Don't we know this guy? He's the carpenter's son. They resisted. There was excuses. You might have some today. You might just be thinking, I, I know this is what Jesus said, and I know this is what Jesus did for me, but I'm going to travel my own path. You know, I you'll end up getting lost until you hear again the words of Jesus saying that he alone has life. It's only found in him. That he's essential for life. And so today as we come to this table and just the decision before us is, is you got to sort of say, where, where am I at with this? Where am I, where do I plant myself? In terms of this story, there was different groups of people. There was the crowd initially and they were just curious. They got confused. Followed Jesus for wrong motives. That, that might be you. You might be un, unsure of what Jesus offers you know, to you. And if it's something that you really want to give your life to. Because if it's just coming here, like, it's not going to satisfy. The life of Jesus that he offers to you is a, is a life. It's a path. It's an everyday walk. That's where you experience the joy of your salvation. But there's the crowd. And the crowd ultimately in their confusion, some of them kept following. But there was another group. They were the checked out ones. They checked out. They just couldn't get their heads around it. They couldn't understand that, that why would Jesus be all that we need? And you might find yourself in that. Maybe you haven't physically checked out. You're here in the building physically. <laughs> and you're thinking, you're just going to continue to do this, this church thing. But really, your heart has vacated the building. And maybe it's been gone a long time. Or would you find yourself among the committed Peter and the other disciples, despite all of their ups and downs and their struggles, come to the place where they say and they recognize, Lord, to whom else shall we go? 
You alone have the words of eternal life. Your flesh, your blood, all of you is what we need in order for us to remain in you, to know you, to experience the salvation of God. So we're going to come to this, this table. And so the question before you is, is, do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is true food and true drink, that he's the only way to life? That's what these symbols illustrate, your belief. When you take this bread, you're saying, Jesus, I believe that you are what sustains me. You're the bread of life, the bread from heaven. You're acknowledging that the body of Jesus is that true bread. It was given so that you could have a relationship with God. And when you take this cup and you drink it fully, you're acknowledging that the blood of Jesus was, was true drink, necessary for you to be forgiven of your sins, a sacrifice so pure, so loving, that it paid the debt that you owed. If you think about your hunger, this bread and this cup that represent your hunger for God, it's the only thing that fills our souls. It's the only way to know God and experience life in Him. So I'm going to invite uh, the team to come up and the servers as well who are able to do so for the bread at least. <clears throat> and as we start and we sing this song, don't, don't feel like a rush to come up. Um, it's okay if there's a bit of a lineup. Um, reflect on the things that you heard and think about who Jesus is in your life. Is he, is he what fully satisfies you? Allow your, your faith to come to a place where there's, there's, no, there's no resistance. You're doing the work of God just by believing. I'm going to pray and give thanks. And then if you want to join in, when you're ready to come, you can come. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. You provided the, the means of our salvation through your death on the cross. We thank you for your, your body, which was given for us, for your blood that was shed to offer us forgiveness, to provide a, a means for us to have a new agreement, a new covenant with the Father. It was costly, it was messy, and you did it for us. And you invite us to come in faith and believe. And so our hearts are, are filled with gratitude and we respond in this way, receiving this, with that gratitude. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.